What was David referring to when he said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies? You see, David and his sheep, they're approaching what is called a high mountain country of the summer ranges. They are known as the uplands or the tablelands that are so much sought after by shepherds. In some of the finest sheep country of the world, especially in our western United States and some parts of southern Europe, the high plateau of the sheep ranges are referred to as mesas or the Spanish word for tables. It may be possible that David was referring to as a table was actually the whole high summer range plains. Though these messes or tables may have been remote and hard to reach, this energetic and aggressive sheep owner took the time and trouble to ready them for the arrival of the flocks. You see, early in the season, even before the snow had been melted by spring sunshine, he will go ahead and make a preliminary survey trip into the rough wild country. Then just before the sheep arrive, he'll make another expedition or two to prepare the table for them. He takes along a supply of salt and minerals to be distributed over the range at strategic spots for the benefit of the sheep during the summer. The intelligent, careful manager will also decide well ahead of time where his camps will be located so the sheep have the best bed grounds. You see, he goes over the range carefully to determine how vigorous the grass and upland vegetation is. At this time, he decides whether some clearings and some basins can be used only lightly, whereas other slopes and meadows may be grazed more heavily. He will check to see if there are poisonous weeds appearing. And if so, he will plan his grazing, plan his grazing program to avoid them or take drastic steps to eradicate them. You see, the shepherd knows the white camas, the deadly camas, though a much less conspicuous flower were also quite attractive, but a deadly menace to sheep. You see, if lambs in particular ate just unnibbled a few of the lily-like leaves as they emerged off grassland during spring, it would spell certain death. All this sort of thing was in the back of David's mind as he penned these lines. I can picture him walking slowly over the summer range ahead of his flocks. His eagle eye sharp for any signs of poisonous weeds which he would pluck before his sheep even got to them. No doubt he had armfuls to get rid of for the safety of his flock. This parallel of the Christian life is clear. Like sheep and especially lambs, we somehow 
feel as humanity that we have to try everything that comes our way. We have to taste this thing and that, sampling everything just to see what it's like. And we may very well know that some things are deadly. They are no good to us. They can be destructive. They can destroy our very life. We need to remember our master has been there ahead of us, coping with every situation that would otherwise undo you and I. One example of this was the incident when Jesus warned Peter that Satan desired to tempt him and to sift him as wheat. But Jesus pointed out that he had prayed that Peter's faith may not fail during this difficult, desperate he would encounter. And so, it is even today, our great good shepherd is going ahead of us in every situation, anticipating what dangers we may encounter and praying for us that we might not succumb to them. Another task the attentive shepherd takes on in the summer is to keep an eye out for predators. He will look for signs of wolves, coyotes, cougars, and bears. If these raid or attack the sheep, he'll have to hunt them down. He'll have to go to great pains to trap them so that his flock can rest in peace. Often, What actually happens is that these crafty ones are up on the rim rock watching every movement the sheep make hoping for a chance to make a swift, sneaky attack that will stampede the sheep. Then one or other of the flock is bound to fall easy prey to the attacker's feet, fierce teeth and jaws and claws. The picture here is of drama. It's of action. It's suspense and possible death. Only the alertness of the shepherd who tends the flock on the table that is full view of possible enemies can prevent them from falling prey to attack. It is only his preparation for such an eventuality that can possibly save the sheep from being slaughtered and panicked by their predators. It is a rather cool thing in some Christian circles to discredit Satan. There is a tendency to try to write him off, to laugh him off as though he's just a joke. Some deny that such a being as Satan even exists. Yet we see the evidence of his merciless attacks and carnage in our society where men and women fall prey to the cunning tactics almost every day. We see lives torn and marred and seared by his assaults, though we may never see him personally. Lives that have been destroyed. Lives that have been scarred. 
pictures of individuals and where they are and what God is trying to pull them from. But they so often turn towards what is familiar, what is comfortable, driving them lower and lower, sin wrapping them and taking them lower than they ever thought they would go. At all times, we should be wise to walk a little closer to the shepherd. A little closer to Jesus. This is one sure place of safety. It is always the distant sheep, the roamers, the wanderers, which are picked off by the predators in an unsuspecting moment. Generally, the attackers are gone before the shepherd is alerted by their cry. But our shepherd wants to anticipate such calamity. He wants our mountaintop experience to be tranquil. He wants it to be clean. He wants it to be pure. He wants to take care of you. And they will be if we will just have the common sense to stay near where He can protect us. I need to be a part of the church. I need to be where the shepherd is. I need to be in the sheepfold. I need to be a part of everything He intends for me in the grassland, at the table. I need to find my place at the table where I read the Word every day. I spend time talking to Him. Where, where we, we should have Him uh, have opportunity to converse with us by His Spirit as we contemplate His life and work that comes from the shepherd for my life. There is another chore with the shepherd take care of on the tableland. He clears out the water holes the springs, the drinking places for the fold. He's got to clean out the accumulated debris of leaves, twigs, stones, soil, which may have fallen into the water source during the autumn and winter. He may need to repair small earthen dams he's made to hold back water. He may need to open springs that may have become overgrown with grass, brush, and weeds. It is all His work, His preparation of the table for His own sheep in the summer. Our great shepherd has Himself already gone before us in every situation, in every extremity that we may encounter. We are told emphatically that He is as He was tempted in all points like we are. There is not something that you have faced that He has not already faced. There is not a trial or a temptation that has come against mankind that He has already not faced, that He's already taken care of, and He's already been victorious over. We know that He entered fully and completely and very intimately into the life of men upon our planet. He has known our sufferings. He's experienced 
our sorrows and endured our struggles in this life. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And because of this, he understands us. He has totally identified himself with humanity. He is therefore taking great care and compassion for us beyond our ability to grasp. No wonder he makes every possible provision to ensure when we must cope with Satan, sin, or ourselves. The contest will not be one-sided. You don't have to face it alone. He is there ready. He's being empathetic. He comes alongside intimately and says, we're going to do this together. Because we can be sure he's been in the situation before. He is in it now and again with us. And because of this, the prospects of our preservation are excellent. It is this attitude of rest in Him, of confidence in His care, of relaxation as we realize His presence in the picture that can make this Christian life one of calm and quiet confidence. This walk can become a mountaintop experience, a table land trip, simply because we are in the care and the control of Jesus who has been over all the territory before us and prepared the table for us in plain view of our enemies who would demoralize and destroy us if they could. There are valleys and there are mountaintops. This life that you and I live, I don't need to tell you, but it is not a glorious garden of delight all the time. The good shepherd isn't just with me on the mountaintop. But he's also with me when I face the difficult valleys of life. It may well become a garden of sorrow just as our Savior went through the garden of Gethsemane. You don't have mountaintops without valleys. And even on the mountaintop, there can be some tough experiences. But just because the shepherd has gone ahead and made every possible provision for the safety and welfare of his sheep while they are on the summer range does not mean they will not have problems there. Predators can attack. Poisonous weeds can still grow. Storms and gales can still come swirling up over the peak and a dozen other hazards can haunt the high country but in his care and in his concern for us he still ensures that we still have some gladness where there is sadness some delightful days as well as dark days some sunshine as well as shadows 
It is not always apparent to us with tre- what tremendous personal cost has been for Christ to prepare the table for His own. When I come to the Lord's table and partake, do I fully appreciate what it cost Him to prepare this table for me? It was an act of the greatest and deepest demonstration of true love that this world has ever known. You will never find a greater love than that. For God looked upon our sorrowing, our struggling, our sinning humanity and was moved with compassion for the contrary sheep-like creatures that He made. In spite of that tremendous personal cost, it would involve Himself to deliver us from our dilemma. He chose deliberately to descend and live amongst us that He might deliver us. He knew He would be exposed to terrible adversity, to ridicule, to faultless accusations, to rumor, to gossip, and malicious charges that branded him as a glutton, as a drunkard, as a friend of sinners, and even as an imposter. It would involve physical suffering, mental anguish, and spiritual agony. His coming to earth as the Christ as Jesus of Nazareth was a straightforward case of utter self-sacrifice that culminated in the cross on Calvary. He laid down His life that poured out blood with supreme symbol of total selflessness. This was love. This was God. This was divinity in action. Delivering men from their utter selfishness. Their own stupidity. Their own suicidal instincts. As lost sheep unable to help themselves. You see Jesus told us himself. That he had come. That we might have life. And have it more abundantly just as the shepherd is thrilled beyond words to see his sheep thriving on the high rich summer rains show my shepherd everybody say my shepherd he is immensely pleased when he sees me flourish on the table lands of this noble lofty life that he has made possible for me What is involved in this preparation process? I want you to know that when the Lord prepares His table, He doesn't do anything halfway. The Bible says that King Solomon knew how to prepare a great table for his guests. Thank you, Sister Angie. You prepared a great table. She has the wisdom of Solomon. 1 Kings 4.27 And those officers provided victual 
for King Solomon and for all that came unto King Solomon's table. Every man in his mouth, they lacked nothing. That's a table. That's a table. That is a table. That I can sit at a table that is prepared for me and lack for nothing. But I want you to know, we serve somebody greater than King Solomon. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And He has prepared a table for you. He spends time in the preparation. He doesn't just throw something on the table. But when God does something, He does it first class. And He gets got a place for you at the table. He's got a place for you at the table. In the presence of your enemies. And that snarling and reaching and clawing and gnashing of teeth. He, the, he, the rod and staff, they comfort me. In the presence of my enemies. He puts a lot of love in the preparation. You see, I always look forward to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Because I know that my wife is going to serve a meal that's fit for a king. We don't eat sandwiches on that day. That comes afterwards. But it takes several hours for this meal to come together because she wants it to be just right. She puts a special cloth on a table called a runner, right? She lays everything out just right. She puts out the best. The house is filled with an aroma of food. She makes several of my favorite pies. She has enough on the table to feed a family of five, or five families, not table, five, but five families. Why does she go to so much trouble? It's not because she likes to just cook. It's because she loves her family. God puts things on the table that I need. See, when I was a, a little boy, that was many years ago, some things were put on the table I wasn't crazy about. Sauerkraut. But I needed those things if I was going to have a balanced diet. Can't just eat ribeye. Most of us in this room, we like cake. But that delicious cake that you eat has several ingredients. And if you tried to eat them alone, they wouldn't taste very good. But when you mix them all together, something wonderful takes place. And some of you might be facing some things in your life right now. They don't make sense. Well, this, and we got this, and that, and this, and God's allowed, and that, and this. Well, just hold on. Let Him prepare something for you with all what you look at as just an ingredient or just a mess. He's putting something together. It doesn't make sense. They don't taste too great. But you continue to trust God. God isn't making a cake, but He's using several ingredients to make you. He's making you into somebody. And He's got a place for you 
at the table. You might not like everything on the table. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I got a positive note for you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Doesn't matter what you, what you got before your eyes right now. All things. Everybody say all things. All things work together for good to those that love God. I hope you love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. What does this table provide? This table provides nourishment. Jesus knows that if His sheep don't eat properly, that they are going to be sick and they're going to be malnourished. He said in Matthew 4.4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This table provides an opportunity for growth. When my kids lived at home and Sherry placed food on the table, she knew if the kids didn't eat, they wouldn't grow and they wouldn't become strong. If they didn't want to eat, she knew they were sick. 1 Peter 2.2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. For you to continue to grow in the Lord, you've got to eat from His table. When you stop eating, you stop growing. So I ask you tonight, how is your spiritual appetite? Are you hungry? Come on, are you hungry? Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you digging in for more of God? Are you going back for seconds? Or have you lost your spiritual appetite? You see, when the kids are hungry, they're sick. A table provides a place of fellowship also. If you ain't eating from the table, you're sick. And you better be eating from the table. When we sit around a table, it's more than just a place to eat. But it's a place to fellowship. It's a place where I get to know my family better. We share our hearts around the table. We share our struggles. We spend time together. We talk about serious things. But we also make memories around the table. This table provides a sense of security. Your children don't worry about their meal for the day because they know if dad is able, that dad is going to provide something for them to eat. I believe this is what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 6 when he told us not to worry about anything. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat in the body than raiment. You have a Father in heaven that loves you. He is aware of every one of your needs. He loves you more than any earthly parent. He takes care of the birds of the air. He watches the willy lily blow in the vet field. He sees the sparrow fall, and he has promised to take care of us. 
Guess what? Nobody sits at my table unless they're invited. I know the people who sit around my table. There's a sense of security there. The table provides abundance. God doesn't set a skimpy table, but He puts everything on that table that you and I need. He wants you to come to the table on a regular basis. Do you need something from God tonight? Then you come to the table. Whatever you have need of, if you need the Holy Ghost tonight, you come to the table. You need baptism in Jesus' name tonight, you come to the table. You need to repent of sins, you come to the table. It's essential to come to the table on a regular basis and not just when you have a need. They had to gather manna daily. This table provides a place of belonging. I love the story in the Bible when David became the new king of Jerusalem. Saul and Jonathan had died on the battlefield and David asked a question. 2 Samuel 9.1 Is there yet any that is left in the house of Saul that I might show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Ziba said, Jonathan has a son by the name of Mephibosheth, but he's lame in both feet. He lives in the land of Lodabar. It's a place of barrenness. He doesn't have anything to offer a king. He's a cripple. And David sent a message to Mephibosheth saying, Verse 7, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. And I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Mephibosheth said, why are you doing this? David said, I'm doing it for Jonathan's sake. I'm doing this because I love your daddy. I'm doing this because I made a covenant. I made a promise. I want you to sit at my table. The table provides a place of acceptance. All of Mephibosheth's life, he was a cripple living in the land of Lodabar. But when the king invited him to the table of grace, you didn't see his crippled feet. He didn't sit at the table because he had something special to offer the king. He sat at the table because of grace. He sat at the table because of invitation. He sat at the table because of acceptance. He didn't do anything to deserve the spot. He sat there because the king called him. Where does God prepare this table? In the presence of my enemies. The sooner we realize that we have an enemy the better off you and I will be. And I want to tell you tonight that he is no respecter of persons. He hates you with a passion. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal 
and to kill and destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He said, Jesus said the thief is coming. And he's coming to steal. He's coming to kill you. And he's coming to destroy every, every ounce or sense of godliness in your life that you ever had ever gained. He wants to destroy your faith. He wants to destroy every single blessing that God has ever given you. First Peter 5.8, he said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. When I was younger, I used to play a game called hide and seek. The person would cover his eyes, he'd count to hundred, and the key to the game was to get to base before he found you. If you were on base, you were safe. I want you to know tonight that when you're at his table, the enemy can't get his hands on you because it is a place of protection even in the midst of my enemy. He gets to stand there and see every single blessing. He stands there seeing every bit of everything that God has done in your life. Every bit of financial gain, every bit of spiritual gain, every bit of spiritual success. He gets to stand there in the, as you're partaking at the table and witness what God is doing in your life. He prepares a table in the midst of your enemies, in the presence of your enemies. Psalms 91, verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely. Everybody say, surely. He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge even the most high thy habitation. Who is this table prepared for? It's prepared for anyone whosoever will come. John chapter 1 verse 12 But as many as received him, to them gave he power. That word power means authority. It means a right. It means 
jurisdiction. He said, as many as received him, how do I receive him? Let me just tell you how you receive him. I repent of my sins. I'm baptized in the name of Jesus. I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And how do I know I got the Holy Ghost? The Bible said anybody that ever received the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Hold on. That's not it. That's not just it. I've got to make a decision to find my seat at the table. This is where safety's at. This is where protection is at. Is at the table and allowing the enemy to see in the presence of my enemies fear, suicidal thoughts, see you. Hatred, see you. Unforgiving spirit, see you too. Look what God's doing. None of that stuff can touch you. As long as you're at the table. Yes, you have to repent of your sins. Yes, you have to be baptized in Jesus' name. Yes, you have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's what the Word of God tells me to do. I have to live a holy life. I've got to allow myself to match up with everything this Word says. I've got to find my seat at the table. The enemy can't touch me if I'm at the table. The enemy can't touch me if I stay close to the shepherd. The enemy can't touch me if I stay away from the poisonous plants. The enemy can't touch me if I'm drinking clean waters. But it's when I separate myself from the flock and I begin to wander and I get up from my seat at the table that it goes from being in the presence of my enemies but allowing the enemy to come against me. But he said, as many as received him to them, gave he power. You see, I have a right to become the son of God. How do I get that right? Staying at the table. Even to them that believe on his name. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Unfortunately... I haven't kept every promise I've ever given. Why? Because I'm human. I'm finite. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's room for you at the table. There's room at the table for you. I'm closing. Musicians come. Tonight, 
God wants to show you kindness. He wants to forgive you of all your sins. He wants to save you from the pits of hell. God wants to reconcile you to fellowship with Him at the table. Friend, it is by this wonderful grace of God that you've been invited to sit at the king's table. You see, Mephibosheth had no legal right to sit at the king's table. He had no legal right to come into the presence of the king. But it was grace that placed him there. You and I, we have no legal right to sit at the king's table and have fellowship with him. We have no lawful reason that God should forgive us and restore our sinful soul. But grace puts us there. Let's stand at the king's table. There's peace. At the king's table, there's joy. At the king's table, there's contentment. At the king's table, there's protection. At the king's table, there's forgiveness. At the king's table tonight, there's healing. At the king's table, there's a future for you. At the king's table, there's hope. This altar's open at the king's table. There's life. He's calling you. He's reaching for you tonight. He's calling you out of destruction. He's calling you out of barrenness. He's calling you out of fear. He's calling you out of bondage. He's calling you out of poverty. He's calling you out of sin. He's saying, come out of load of my heart. That place of disappointment, out of destruction, out of despondency, out of discouragement, out of bondage, out of hopelessness, out of fear, out of loneliness. Hear me tonight. God is calling you out tonight. God is calling you out tonight. He's inviting you to come and sit at the table. He's calling you to come and dine. He wants to provide for you all that you'll ever need tonight. Come close to the shepherd. Come close to the shepherd tonight. Don't stay where you're at tonight. There's a place at the table for you. There's a place at the table for you. Let it be your protection. 
let him be your healing ball. Come on, let him embrace you. Oh, why don't you come? Why don't you cry out to him? Come, come, there's room at the table. 